Um, guys, welcome to the Hero Series. So um, we, uh, I don't know how long it will be. We'll just see how long it goes. Um, so this was inspired by a, a passage in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right? Now remember, Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews... 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's an entire chapter honoring all of these faith hall of fame guys. And, and so, and gals, there was gals in there too. So guys and gals that were honored for their faith. And so what happened is I read this passage and it says, man, since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. So everything that hinders and the sin, it's not all sin. Some things are just hindering us. It's not sin related. It's just hindering and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith so one of the things that I imagined as I do each week if I took the next person in the line of uh, the chronological line of what we're looking through the Bible at if they had one lap around the track a track is a quarter of a mile and and if we could jog with them really slow, what would be the one thing that they would say, hey, I only have a quarter of a mile, I have this one lap with you, here's what I would want to share with you. And so that's kind of the approach that I've had, and so far, here are the Hebrews we've studied, we've went Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Caleb, Gideon, today we're going to look at Jephthah, um, we've looked at one villain so far, the villains are going to start racking up here shortly. Uh, we get into a whole series of knuckleheads. But right now we're still on the, the heroes. And so here's just a quick look. I just want you to kind of see. I know it's blurry, but it's what happens when you stretch out a picture. But um, this is Abraham was the, the first one we studied. He came in. Then you had uh, his son Isaac and Jacob and then Joseph. And then when Joseph um, died, the, the Egyptians ended up taking Israel into slavery. That's what that 430 years to Moses leading the Exodus. So then you have Moses and Joshua and Caleb and all that happened in the book of Joshua. Then you get over into after crossing the Jordan, we have 336 years of judges. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on, but I'm just wanting you to understand this time of the judges is before, it's, it's, after, it's after Moses and Joshua, and then it comes into a series of judges that basically kind of help hold it together as you enter into the time of the kings. Now, when we start looking at everything that happened in history, there's a lot of people who struggle with this one question, and this will lead into kind of what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. Why did God order Israel to exterminate their enemies? I mean, that's a pretty harsh word, right? If you read the Old Testament, you read that as they crossed the Jordan, God commanded Joshua and the entire army, destroy everyone. And a lot of people say, man, that does not sound like a very loving God. And I need you to see the command first, and then I'll tell you the reason why. Before they crossed the Jordan, God gave them very specific instructions. But of the cities of these people, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. You shall utterly destroy them. The Hittite, Amorite, Canaanite, Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite, just as the Lord your God commanded you. This was a command by God. Lest they teach you. Here's the reason why. Lest they teach you to do according to all of their abominations. You see, everyone after creation, when God created Adam and Eve, guess what? They believed in God and they followed him, did they not? Right? So they followed the Lord until a generation didn't. And then it snowballed all the way down to God bringing the flood. And guess what? God brought Noah and his family out of the, and, and they were the only ones preserved. The flood destroyed everything. And now Noah and his family followed the Lord until a generation that followed them didn't. You guys see what I'm saying here? Every time in the history we continuously see the same things happen is that God raises up somebody who wholeheartedly follows him. And when that person's gone, everybody goes their own way. 
So what happens is he says, when you get there, you need to completely and utterly destroy all of these people because they had their choice to follow me. They rejected me. They took on other gods. They, they worship other gods. They, they, they practice abominational types of things. You got to get that out so that when you take possession of the land, they won't bring you away. So the people, this is the book of Judges, very beginning book of Judges. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works of the Lord which he had done in Israel, when all of that generation had been gathered to their fathers, that means they all died, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done in Israel. That is one of the saddest verses that you could read in the Word of God. My question before we get into Jephthah today is how does an entire generation forget the Lord? How does that happen? Whose responsibility? I want you to think about that. So he says there was an entire, after Joshua died, there was an entire generation, an entire generation that rose up that did not know the Lord or what he had done. Whose responsibility was it to teach that generation? Was it the churches? Was it the preacher? Was it the, the youth minister? Was it the children's minister? Was it the government? Was it school? Whose responsibility? Who dropped the ball? Joshua and his entire generation who had saw the works of God failed to instill those principles and morals and teachings and understanding of God in the life of their children, and therefore an entire generation is lost. And we're losing another generation right now. 75% of youth leave the church between the ages of 16 and 25. The moment that they get their driver's license and the parents say, you go and do what you go do, 75% leave the church. Some of them come back when they start having children. And I started wondering, why, why do we have so many leaving church? Why, why is that such a high percentage? Parents, I need you to hear me. If God is not number one in your life, he's probably not going to be number one in your child's life. If he's not the most important thing in your house, the kids will not see him as the most important thing in their life. 3,500 people in America will quit church today. 3,500 people quit church today. 3,500 people will quit church tomorrow. To the point of in one year, 1.2 million people will quit church. Isn't that sad? Do you know what the number one reason that people quit church? <laughs> right on, sister. People. So there was a great book that I encouraged all of the leadership. Uh, in fact, we did a whole teaching on this a couple of years ago, The Bait of Satan. And he said the number one tool that the devil uses to push people and get people to quit church is they take offense. They somewhere along the way got offended by something said, something did, something didn't go their way. Think about it. How often are you, do you find your heart offended? Right? 31% of each generation raised in Christian homes leave the church. 31%. A third of people raised in a believing home quit. While only 21% with, of, of, of a generation that did not have Christ will come into the church. How many generations will that take before there is no church? Now, I'm, I want you to understand that that's not... God's church will never die because God's not going to die and it's His church. What I am wanting you to see is that there is something wrong with people. <laughs> Amen? There's a problem in us. We have some commitment issues, true? 
right? We have some commitment issues. We quit easily. We get easily offended. I mean, man, I'll tell you what, you know, I used to, I used to just worry so much about offending somebody. I'm like, man, if, if I have to walk around tiptoeing all the time, you know, to try to keep somebody from not being offended, well, here's the reality. If they're just looking for an offense to quit church, I don't, they'll, if they don't find it with me, they'll find it somewhere else. But what I'm wanting you to understand is that I don't come to church because of you. I'm glad that you're here. You're not the reason. Jesus is the reason I come to praise his name, to worship what he's done in my life. And you know what? You're the bonus most of the time. Actually, I can't think of any times when you're not the bonus. But you know, here's the thing is, is that if we sit there and we look at our reasons for quitting and stopping and doing and those things as people, then our perspective is already a little off kilter. This is about Jesus. If this is a true church, it's not Daniel's church, it's God's. I just get to serve underneath his headship. And so I want to be a part of his work. So that's what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that as we look at throughout the, the, the book of Judges, the historical context of the book of Judges is that when Joshua died, an entire generation wasn't raised in the Lord. And then from there on, they struggled. They would come back to the Lord. He would rescue them. They would come back and then they would stray away and they would come back and stray away and come back and stray away. This is something as, as I'm going to keep repeating this because I'm wanting us to understand is how important it is that we're instilling these things to the next generation. That doesn't mean that you have to be a parent to instill it into the next generation. And every, we have got teachers in this room and I know that if they ever get fired, I already know if they're like, I lost my job, I'll know what it was for because they were sharing Jesus. Come on, I know it. I know it. Somebody, I, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd be like, you were instilling that in the next generation and some people may not like that. So here's the thing. So I want to come back now. So I wanted you to understand this is what's happening throughout the book of Judges. There was so much confusion and so much turmoil and turning over and, and back and forth because what happened is when Joshua died, they had not followed God's command and they had not completed it. So when Joshua was old, he said, Judah, you got to go and completely annihilate the rest of the people that are out there. They didn't do it. You know, then he would come over uh, the, to the tribe of Dan. Dan, you got to go take that. You got to take that territory. Uh, Caleb, you and your guys, you got to go do this. And what happens is none of them did it. And then the rest of their existence, they got, they kept coming back into idolatry. And then, then they would go into slavery. And then they would cry back up to God. And I'll show you that in, a, in, a, in the future. So here's the thing. Let's meet Jephthah. Jephthah is one of these judges trying to bring the people back to God. He is such an unlikely hero. If he could teach us one lesson, this is what it would be. You are more. Everybody say more. more. You are more than the labels others place on you. Isn't that good? That's good, right? So... You're more than the labels that others place on you. So um, have you ever looked at someone, and this is, this is a telling on ourselves a little bit. You don't have to raise your hands or anything like that. But many of us, and probably most of us, have probably looked at somebody, and they're like, I'm going to go do this. And you're like, yeah, no, you're not. Right? Somebody said they're going to go do something. You're like, yeah, there's no way you're going. You are not going to do that. Anybody guilty? Okay, only half of you are telling the truth. It's okay. It's okay. Have you ever, somebody said, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be this. And you're like, Pfft. No, you're not. You may not have said it out loud, but you're totally thinking it. Come on, how many of you are guilty on that one? There's a bunch of liars here today. I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of liars in this house right now. All right, so here's the thing is that we have a habit of you look at somebody and you estimate in you what you think they can do. That's called judgment. It's a sin. (laughs) All right? We shouldn't do that, right? The Bible says do not judge. But we have a habit, come on, our human nature is to look at someone and say, you can't do that. How many times have you heard that in your life? You can't do that. Now, there is a difference. Let me, hold on, kids, before you get too excited. There, Grace, I saw that. You know, hold on, slow down. There are times that your parents are going to say, you won't do that. You can't do that. I'm not letting you do that. So, so be careful there. All right, so. 
There was, in fact, in high school, this is not a bad example. This is kind of a, a funny one. I saw Christina's here, isn't it? Christina Redwing, where are you at? There you are. So I was, uh, I was voted by my class, fairly and squarely, the class clown. I was uh, appointed by my class. So that was a title I was very, very proud of, right? So, um, but what went along with that is when I actually became, uh, you know, accepted the call to be a pastor, no one, like, Daniel Yoder, are we talking about the same Daniel Yoder from Warsaw High School who mooned the entire school, you know, like got ISS because he showed his hiney to everyone, you know, yes, it's the same guy. Is it the same guy who crawled on top of the roof of Pizza Hut and mooned everybody driving by? Yes, it's the same guy. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not saying that you should, all the kids are like, oh, this is a great sermon. I got all these good notes. Can't wait. You know, the drive-by mooning. Yes, it was me. And so the thing is, is that, you know, Anything for a tip at Pizza Hut, anything. And so Christina Redwing was my manager. I'm surprised I didn't get fired on the things, but I did keep it funny. Uh, inappropriate most of the time, but funny. And so the thing was is that when, I, when, when, when God called me to plant this Living Water Church, July 1st, 2012, the very first service, I invited Christina to come. I remember, if I remember all this correctly, it's been a while, but I sent out a messenger, and I was like, hey, you should come. And so later on, she comes and she says to me, if I, if I remember, I'm hoping I'm remembering this right, is like, I came because I just had to see what this looked like, because I knew you back in high school, and it's kind of like, I have to see, am I a little bit right, okay? And you know what was so cool? Christina was the first one who accepted Jesus Christ at the Church of Living Water. So, it's so neat. So exciting. And so a lot of people like, okay, all right, if Daniel's a pastor, I have to, I'm just out of curiosity's sake, I got to go check it out. But a lot of people, if they would have given me a label, not only would they have given me a label of class clown, semi-mostly inappropriate class clown, um, they would have also put under their most unlikely to become a pastor. You know, just to be reality, you know, I, I was very unlikely because of my personality, it wouldn't really work in the you know, you guys are all laughing. It's because you're a bunch of misfits, and that's why this works, you know. I told that same joke at a First Baptist church, and no one laughed, you know, and they, they didn't invite me back, you know. So, I mean, you know, so I'm kidding, but seriously. Um, now, so what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that we all have this way, and so that, that wasn't a bad label, but there are a lot of bad labels that are placed on people. And that's the ones that I really want to focus on today um, with the story of Jephthah is that you know, we all find ourselves sometimes having been labeled. And sometimes, and most of the time, when someone labels you, puts a label, it's because of your, your parents, what they've done in their life, or it's because of your home life, or because of your, the way that you were brought up or your economical stance. I remember I grew up in a trailer, you know, I, I lived in a mobile home, you know, and so, so sometimes you get this label because you didn't grow up in a certain neighborhood or on the right side of town, or you were, lived in this community, or you went to South School instead of the North School, and what happens is people begin, there's ways of people putting labels on you because of all different kinds of things. They don't believe in you is another reason. They don't believe in your abilities, and then there's some people who are threatened by you and they have to use these mean labels to try to knock you down far enough for them to step over you. Okay? Whatever the reason that somebody's putting you a label on today, I want you to know if there's nothing else that you remember from today is that you're more than that label someone else places on you. So important that you do not forget that. So let's meet Jephthah. Jephthah was a great warrior, okay? So this is, this is the introduction of him. So he comes out and Jephthah, son of Gilead, was a great warrior. And you're like, yes, but his mother was a prostitute. I mean, is that necessary? You see, it is necessary to tell the whole story of how what happened to Jephthah. But here's the deal is Jephthah, the first thing is, man, he was a great warrior, but his mother was a prostitute. Then it goes on to explain Gilead, who's Jephthah's father's wife, 
bore sons, multiple. These half-brothers grew up, chased Jephthah off the land, and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are a son of a prostitute. Man, that's rough, isn't it? He's, he was, so here's the thing is, he wasn't the prostitute. It wasn't him. He wasn't the prostitute, and yet he's chased away to receive nothing. And, and you got to understand that in this culture, you're chased out of the land. You have no relatives. You have no family. There's nowhere for you to go. There's no house for you. It's not like there was a bunch of apartments. You built your own house connected to your father's house. That's how life went. You lived with your father until you built a house on your father's house. That's how life was. So he didn't have nowhere to go, nowhere to live, nowhere to turn to. He was chased out because of the mistakes of a parent. It's parents. Have you ever, you're great, but, right? Come on now, right? Someone's like, oh, you're really good at this, but. And you're just waiting for the shoe to fall, right? Man, you're really great, but. And that's what happens to Jephthah's life right here. You're great, man. You're so good at fighting. You're so good at, at being a warrior. Man, you would be great in the military. You would be great at leading and commanding a military. But you know what? It's that whole thing of your mother. See, it's like he couldn't live beyond his parents' mistakes. Maybe some of you have maybe lived in that shadow or allowed yourself to be in this shadow or maybe the shadow has just been hanging over you that you are this product of your, your parents or something and that, that you are living and you can't live beyond their mistakes. So the question that we're going to answer today is this, how do you move beyond the labels others place on you? Because Labels are everywhere. How, how many of you, uh, just, just out of the, just make sure that I'm hitting somewhere, how many of you have had a label placed on you before and maybe even currently trying to get from underneath? Okay, so it's relevant to some. All right, good. First one, and maybe the most important point right here that we see in this very thing is first, you're not the product of the mistakes that others make. Part of, if you want to overcome the labels that other people place on you, no matter what that label is, no matter where it is, the first thing that you have to do is change your mindset. you got to change your perspective, and you have to accept the truth that you are not the product of the mistakes that others make. That's their mistakes. She's the prostitute. He's not, unless he did that. But it doesn't have any records of him doing that. His mother was the one who was living a life that she shouldn't live. Yes, that labeled him, but he needs the first. What Jephthah has to do at some point is say, okay, you know what? I'm not the product of that. This, I'm not going, this is not the life that I'm going to do from here on out. I'm not going to, to be allowed. I'm not going to allow myself to become the product of someone else's mistake. That makes sense, right? So therefore, you must move beyond the mistakes others make, even if it has a direct impact on your life. You have to move past that. You have to come to a place in your life saying, okay, I'm moving past this. See, if you can't move past the past, then you're not going to ever be in the present. And if you don't in the present, you definitely don't have a future. You guys see what I'm saying there? You have to move beyond that. So... Let's move on. So, first, you're not a mistake. You're not an accident, and you're not a piece of junk. Has anybody ever thought any of those things about you as a person? Like, you've thought that about you. Come on. Only three of you are going to be honest. Come on now. Let's be honest, right? Some of us have looked into ourselves in the mirror and said, man, I'm just a mistake. How many of you have ever just looked in the mirror and you're like, I'm a stinking failure? Come on. Come on, right? You look in the mirror and you just almost disgust yourself because you, you look at yourself and you're labeling yourself. Man, I just keep making mistakes. Man, I just keep opening my dumb mouth. Man, I'm a piece of junk. The world would be better without me. Come on, that's what some of us do. And the thing that you have to do is stop thinking like that. Because here's the truth. You were created by God. 
You are a friend of God. You are a child of God. When you give your life to Jesus, you're a friend of God. You're a child of God. And if you have not given your life to Jesus, you are still created by him. And guess what? God doesn't make mistakes because he's perfect. God's perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. So if you're here, you're not a mistake. Come on. Somebody needs that. Somebody needs that. And it's okay to say amen because amen means let it be so. I need that. I need the truth that God created me. I'm not a mistake. God doesn't make accidents. He didn't go, oops. I kind of dropped that one. What do we do with this one? We'll see. See how that works. Right? God doesn't do that. Come on, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> I have that effect on kids. I scare them all the time. So, here's a verse that you, some of you need to memorize. This is David. You, for you. That you is capitalized all. It's God. You. God created my inmost being. God created the inmost part of who you are. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Yes, your mother and your father were a part of that. He's the one who knit you together. He's the one who put your most inward parts together. You, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. See, what, what David says here is your works are wonderful. Well, aren't you, hold on, aren't you a work of God? If he created you, aren't you his work? Come on, aren't you? Am I right or am I? Am I? Pastor Paul, am I right? Pastor Daryl? So if God created you, you are his work. And what does it say? Your works are what? Wonderful. So what God is saying to you is you're wonderful. Quit believing all the lies that the world has for you. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Because you're a work of God. Man, why can't we hold on to that? Why can't we say, God, your word trumps what this knucklehead keeps saying about me. God, your word trumps the lies of the devil. Your word. Why won't we let God's word trump all the lies of the world? Why won't we do that? Why are we so stubborn to keep holding on to the devil's lies? It's like we want to be worthless. We want to be no good. We want to be a mistake. We want to be miserable. Stop it. Or I'll bury you alive in a box. Come on now. <laughs> Why do we keep holding on to the lies of Satan over the word of God? He said his works are wonderful. You are his work. What does Ephesians 2.10 say? For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ. You are his workmanship and you are wonderful. God has a beautiful, amazing plan for your life. But if you keep living and believing in the devil's word over God's word, you will never move past the label that the devil placed you with. Come on. Don't give the devil glory by listening to him. Every time you believe him over God's word, you're glorifying and honoring the devil. Whew. Well, that just got real, didn't it? Huh? Is it not true? Pastor Paul, is that not true? If you're, if you're accepting the devil's word over God's word, who are you honoring? So when you say, I'm no good, I'm a failure, I'm a piece of junk, I'm a mistake, you are honoring the devil, not God. So we need to stop doing that and accept what God says about you. So here's the cautionary tale. The very next verse, then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah. Doesn't say that necessarily Jephthah was, was, was a worthless bandit. It's saying that worthless men banded together with him and they began to raid. So what happens is this, God had a plan for Jephthah's life. Jephthah was chased off called the son of a prostitute, given no inheritance and no future. And what happens? He comes to the land of Tob, and he's surrounded by worthless men. Here's my second point. Don't become the label others put on you. Don't do it. 
How often that I hear, I hear young people and somebody says, well, you're worthless. Fine, I'll show you worthless. You're a bad kid. I'll show you a bad kid. Come on, how many of you adults at one point in your life, somebody said that about you and you're like, I'll show you. Oh, I'm a drunk, I'll show you. Oh, I'm a fighter, I'll show you. Don't become the label that people put on you. Don't do it. You're only proving their lie to be true. Because it's a lie. What God says about you and what others said about you, they're completely different. Unless somebody is encouraging you. Unless somebody's coming by and saying, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're great. That person, you keep those in your life. Someone who's saying, you're worthless, you're a piece of trash, you're junk. That person works for the devil. I'm telling you. They work and not for God. God doesn't do that. Don't become, don't start doing what people say. How many of you have fallen into that trap in your life, right? Right? Wouldn't this sermon have been great back then? But it's not too late to make sure that we don't walk down that road again. Amen. So listen to this. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Don't be misled. Do not be misled. Don't, don't be led. So here's the thing is you all will fall under leadership. Someone will lead you. I'm even led. Everyone gets led by someone. Everyone. The person who leads me, they're led by someone. And it keeps going. It never, it's not like there's a, the, the highest point is God. Right? There's, there's nothing higher than that. He's the highest authority. He's the, the ultimate leader. Every one of us gets led by others in different and multiple different ways. Here's the thing is, don't, be, don't allow yourself to be led by somebody serving the devil. You hear me? Don't be led by somebody who's speaking lies from the devil. If they're telling you you're no good, you're worthless, you're a piece of junk, they are not serving God. Because God doesn't talk like that. Am I right, Pastor Paul? So far? Okay, so far so good. Bad company corrupts good character. Let me tell you this. Have you ever gotten into a place where you have a lot of built-up anger and you find yourself saying mean things? Right? Let's be honest enough. Have you ever said something to your wife or to your husband that you wished with all of your heart you could take back because it wasn't very kind? And it would have really, the words that you said really served the devil way more than they served God. Let's be honest, every one of us with our mouths have served the devil before. We honored him by repeating what he said to us about that person. Right? Come on, we've all done it. Right? Okay? I don't have to keep doing it. Right? I don't have to keep honoring the devil with my foolish, unthought, un self-controlled words you get me right that's what i'm wanting you to hear okay so don't be misled bad company corrupts good character come back to your senses as you ought young people this is why it's so imperative and your future may very well depend on the people you surround your life with If you surround yourself with people who are negative and mean and critical and perverted, you will become those things. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Does it mean that I don't love people? I love them, but you're not in my inner circle if you're going to act like that. I don't want fools in my inner circle. I can be foolish enough all on my own. I don't need any help. Just ask my wife. All right, so he says, um, come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning, and there are some of, uh, uh, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. He goes, shame on you, you know better. Right? Sometimes we allow people in to influence our lives that we absolutely know are a bad influence. Shame on us. We know that we're being led astray. We know we're doing what we shouldn't be doing. Shame on us. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Blank slide. What do I do with that? Oh, yeah, there's a verse. Okay, here we go. So the very next verse. And so it was when the people of Ammon, 
made war against Israel, that the elders of Gilead, so here's the deal, Gilead was Jephthah's father, and Gilead became a very powerful man and became the head of a tribe. He was like the chief, so there's like a whole town named after him, and everybody who dwelt in the town, there were elders now of this town that belonged to his father, these elders. Some of these elders would have probably most likely been half-brothers. Same ones that ran them out, and they, didn't, they couldn't run. The half-brother could not run the, the other brother out if it wasn't for some help, too. Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't like they just said, hey, get out of here, monkey. No, they, they, had their whole, they had to run him out. They ran him out. They went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said to Jephthah, come, be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Hmm. Huh, right? I mean, it, 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 I just usually do those out loud. That's what all of you are thinking, right? Hmm. Like, probably if, so, if you were standing there and somebody said, hey, I know that I put all those bad labels and I ran you out of class and chased you off of the team, but we would really like you to come back. Hmm. Now, that's what I would have said. Barbara would have had, hmm, and then a little more, which Jephthah had a little more, too. We're going to get there. I love it. So the third thing I want to bring to your attention is this. Those who put the label on you will often one day need you. Huh? Come on. See, God has an amazing way of doing things. Now, as long as you don't become a turd along the way. Oh, too soon. Pastor Paul, too soon. He hates when I, he say, he hates when I say that. Manure. Is that better? That's not even good. Just none of them. None of them. A steaming pile of cow dung. Still got the head. Okay. See, here's the, here's the thing. That's the class clown part. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, <laughs> you're right. I'm not. So the thing is, is this. So, so they ran him off. And here's the thing is so often, as long as we don't become what they're saying and we hold true to what God has in our stores in our life. So as long as we follow the first two rules we laid out, you are not the product of the mistakes of others and do not become the label they're trying to put on you. So they say, man, you're so mean, but you keep being nice. One day, God has a way of doing this in people's lives. He has a way of humbling those people who try to come into your life and they try to, to minimize you by placing these labels on you. God has a way of bringing them under and back to you. Now what happens if I become everything that they say about me, then there's, they're never going to need anything because I don't have anything to offer. You see what I'm saying? That's why it's important. One, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to say, hey, you know what? My parents made mistakes. I'm the, I'm the product of divorce, but doesn't mean that I need to go get one. Right? My parents did this, and my parents did that, and my parents did this, and my parents did that. I don't have to do those same things. I'm not a product of that. So I'm going to move past my parents' mistakes. I'm going to move past my past mistakes and everything else. I'm going to move past those. I'm going to, I'm going to walk in the future. I'm going, to, I'm going to walk towards what God has for me. And I'm not going to become the things that people say. If people are saying mean things about me, I'm not going to become that. I'm going to make sure I don't. I'm going to work that much harder to make sure I'm not that. So then what happens is then often God will humble them by bringing them to a place where they need you. How many of you have seen that come full circle in your life? I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life where somebody would say, this is who you are. I'm like, I'm not that, and I don't want to be that, and I'm just going to move right over here and just keep trucking along with the Lord. And then that person comes back and say, oh, I need you. Okay, what do you need? That, that's who I am. I'm, I'm like, I'm not like, I, I, didn't do, I didn't go the extra mile here. So here's Jephthah and his extra mile. So Jephthah said back to the elders in the Gilead, did you not hate me? And expel me from my father's house. Basically, he's saying to the elders, "Did you? my brothers didn't want me there, so you took me and expelled me, ran me out of the land. Why have you come to me now And when you are in distress? Why, why come to me now? That's what everybody was thinking, right? Right? Everybody was thinking, like, why would they come to him? They're the ones, why don't they go to someone else? Because they didn't have anyone else that was a great warrior. Remember who he was? 
God said, you're going to be a great warrior. They said, you're a son of a prostitute. Come on. Guys, the light bulb? Is the light bulb hitting yet? God says, Jephthah's a great warrior. The half-brothers say, you're a son of a prostitute. God's plan for him was to lead that entire city into safety and to protect and preserve their lives because he made him to be a great warrior no matter what anybody else said. Okay, all right, all right. I thought there was about to be a moment there. We're, we're close. We were so close to that moment. I could repeat the slide, but we won't. Um, so I want you to get this. And this is my, my last slide. Look at that. Like we're, I'm, I'm going to have to really tell some jokes or do something to make this go all the way till noon, but we're not going to. God's purpose for you is greater than the labels others place on you. I want that to sink in for just a moment. Think about that. God's purpose for Jephthah's life was that he was going to be a great warrior. The label that his brothers put on him that he was a son of a prostitute, right? God said, I'm going to raise you up and you're going to deliver my children from the hands of their enemies, even though they're acting very stupid right now. Jephthah, his purpose was greater than than their hatred for him. God's purpose for your life is greater than any label anyone can put on you. God's purpose and plan for your life and what he wants to do through you is greater than the jealousy of your neighbor, is greater than the mistakes of your parents. It is greater than, than, than the, 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 the anger and, and, and hatred of a sibling. Isn't that amazing? God has a plan for your life. He created you with purpose. You are, we are, for we are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works which he prepared before the foundation of the earth. Before the earth was formed, God knew you by name and already knew what he wanted you to accomplish in life. Come on now, right? Isn't that exciting? And some of us haven't got there yet. We're still going, what is it? What is it, God? And that's what's exciting, and that's what makes this whole, this whole life so exciting. Like, God, what's next? Who's the next person that you're going to put in my path for me to minister to? It doesn't have to be a preaching ministry or a Sunday school ministry or, or some ministry that's, that's on a poster. It may just be God putting people in front of you to minister to. God has a plan for your life. As long as you're breathing, he has purpose for you purpose. Man, I get so excited when I think about God's purpose for your life. Do you know what the, you know why suicide is at the highest it's ever been? No purpose. People say the world would be better off without me. Well, no, the world would not be better off without you because God has a purpose for you to do good works. And those works that he has purpose for you is Good. G-O-O-D. Good. God has good works for you to do. Therefore, the world needs you. The world needs you. So if you ever come to a point in your life and say, the world doesn't need me, my family doesn't need me, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Man, there's something good right around the corner for you to do to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am. Right around the corner. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe it's tomorrow morning. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with the neighbor or a coworker. I don't know. God does, and he just can't wait for you to get out of your own way and stop listening to the devil and start accepting him in your life and his truth in your life to understand that you are a wonderful work of God and he has wonderful things for you to do and you just need to stop listening to the lies of the devil. What would your life look like if you no longer accepted any of those lies? What would your life look like if you never 
accepted another moment of not being good enough or being a failure or a mistake or an accident. Not good enough, not pretty enough, not strong enough, not smart enough. If you put that garbage away and truly accepted that God created you, wonderful work of God with wonderful good deeds out in front of you, and He has a plan and a purpose, what does that change? Everything. Doesn't it? Wouldn't that change everything? So then what are we waiting for? Let's bow our heads. a plan for your life. First thing that we need to do today, Pastor Paul is going to up here, Pastor Daryl's up here. If anyone needs to give their life to Jesus and you need to start that journey today, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you've never given your life to Jesus, And you need to get saved. You need to receive him into your life. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. If you need to accept him, accept him. Amen, sister. Amen, sister. Okay. Barbara, I have a sister right back there in the back. I want you to go grab her. Ashlyn, would you put your hand up there again for me? Thank you, honey. All right. Listen, there is nothing greater in this world than to give your life to Jesus. Don't go another day without him. He created you wonderful with works in mind. So if anybody sitting here today said, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. Pastor Paul's right up here. Pastor Daryl's right over here. We're ready. If you've given your life to Jesus, but you keep buying into the lie, that label that label that stamps loser on you or failure or not good enough. If you have a label right now and you've been fighting it, I want you to bring it right here, right now. It's done today, right now in the name of Jesus. Come right now. Don't wait until I'm done. I'm just going to keep talking. You know me. If you've got a label that we need, we're done. You and me label. You're done. You're a lie straight from the hell. I know who you are and you don't belong in my life. Not another day, not another moment. This label's gone because I know who I am. Maybe you've gotten rid of that label and you're just like, I don't know what to do now, God. I know that I keep hearing that you have a good work for me, that you have a purpose for my life, but I don't feel like I have purpose. I'm going to encourage you now to join everybody up here. God has a purpose for your life. I don't know what that is, but he does. Let's go to him. God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? God, I'm not going to stop asking you until you show me. God, what is this thing? What is it? Don't stop asking today. Don't stop asking for God to reveal his plans and his purposes in your life. But I want you to, every one of you, to accept that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. If you don't believe that he has a plan and a purpose for your life, then you're not going to listen to him even if he's speaking to you. So accept it. God, I know you have a purpose. I know you have a plan for my life. Reveal it. God has a purpose and a plan for your marriage, folks. Listen to me. God has a purpose and a plan for your marriage. God has a purpose and a plan for your children. God has a purpose and a plan for the person that you can't stand the most in this world. That is a child of God, and he has a purpose for them too. You are more than the labels that have been placed on you.